0: Welcome along to the Wise Men's podcast where we have a special for you of part one of two parts with uh, Sunderland legend Niall Quinn. We're splitting this with the Rogue Report lads. You're going to hear part two from them. They're going to concentrate on uh, Niall's time as chairman at the club. But we're going to talk about the playing career and try and fit in as much into this next half an hour as we can. Uh, we're back at the University of Sunderland as well. Good to be back here mm. and using those amazing facilities. Cool. If you want to do sports journalism, look no further. Right, glad to have you along, Niall. Thank you. Yeah, Got a like lot you. of trying coverage in the next half of an hour and we're going to start right from the beginning um, when you signed uh, from Manchester City you'd obviously been at Arsenal before that you were how old at this time 32-ish? 30? No I was 29 29 no yeah, that's research just, for I you just, I've, yeah. got <laughs> like, I've got pages full of research <laughs> here and then I thought I didn't even have his age <laughs> on no, when he fine. signed Yeah no I was 29
1: I'd I had a cruciate injury um, a couple of years earlier I'd missed a World Cup and I'd come back into the City team I wasn't in favour uh, Paul Walsh and Uwe Rosler were the starting two but we had a very bad start to the season Um I think we won a game against Bolton. I think we lost six or seven in a row and they put me in for the Bolton game and we won. So felt good and started to get it back again. But ultimately we came up short and by the end of the season we were relegated and I'd had my crew shed. Uh, the club obviously would have to, you know, there were a lot of changes were going to have to happen and I was told if I found a club I could go. Couldn't find a club and eventually I went to uh, Thailand and I went to uh, Kuala Lumpur and spoke to the people at Selangor. I actually ended up playing a, a friendly match for them on, on my trip, which none of that would happen these days. <laughs> and uh, they offered me a contract, and I um, brought my wife out, and we were all set to sign for for Selangor in Kuala Lumpur when Peter Reid rang me and said, "Get yourself up to Sunderland." And that was a, a lifeline for me because I'd have been ending my international career. i would have been ending, uh, you know, I suppose significant. Time of my life playing in the top flight, and and what the by then Premier League football, and I was giving it up for the the, the backwaters. And of did Malaysia.
0: you uh, you made peace with this at this point? You'd come to terms with this. Almost. Well, I, I
1: I had had the bad injury, you see. So people in those days, when you had a cruise ship, didn't quite believe that you could uh, you could get back to where you were, and I found it really hard to get a club, and so now if I had an agent it might have helped but I, I steadfastly refused all my life to have an agent <laughs> if I made mistakes I wanted to make my own mistakes I think that helped me in, in becoming chairman or wanting to become chairman that I was able to believe in myself that I could do it but anyway going back to that point um, I came home from Malaysia getting ready to, to go back out and Peter Reed rang me and went come up here you don't want to be going to Malaysia there's a bit of life left in you yet and I, I drove up met him and uh, we did the deal and I was delighted it was a, a Big pay cut from where I was at uh, uh, Man City, but I was delighted to get that chance. And I repaid Peter by doing the other leg and getting cruise <laughs> in, in, in my fifth game, I think.
0: Well, before you, before, just before that happened, I mean, you, you started, you come off the bench in the first game against Leicester, you played mm-hmm. well. I remember being in the full well end as a kid, and I remember hitting the crossbar. And then we went I to got Forest. Disallowed as well. Yeah, did, did Yeah, you? the referee <laughs> disallowed one. And yeah. then we went to Forest midweek. Uh, yeah. I mean, that Forest team got relegated, but it was a good Forest team, and, and we won 4 1. Yeah. Um no you, you great, scored a great finish on that Yeah, one of them bounced and off his in. shin and yeah. flew in, <laughs> in the net, didn't <laughs> they Um but th- this was a time when Sunderland fans were maybe starting to believe in Peter Reid because we'd been in the in the Premier or oh, in the top division in nineteen ninety one. I think we won two away games all season against the two against the side that finished bottom and the side that finished third bottom. We'd done them four one, you scored two, we had players like yourself. Kevin Ball Paul Stewart Tony Corton, young players Mickey Gray took them to bits in that first half Craig Russell and Bridges come on off the bench mm-hmm. what did you think the team dynamics were like at that point
1: oh, well it was good I was thrilled obviously to get the chance to, to play and I knew there was a, an exuberance around the place because of the promotion um, when you think a year before that you know Peter was brought in to keep them in the championship and keep the club right from a from a tough position and you remember Shea Given came and, and was unbelievable at that period so, so Sunderland was starting to make a name for itself and I was thrilled to get up there uh, I loved straight away the warmth that was in and around the club you know old Roker Park where we would get changed and you know, head up to the training ground. Uh, if you're injured, with the physio at the time, Nigel Carnell, he'd make you run up to the training ground, which was uh, real old-fashioned <laughs> stuff because you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't say you're injured if you could possibly at all. Um, it was maybe back in the Bill Shankly mode of of tactics, but uh, I really bought into it and loved it and got off to a half decent start, got a couple of goals, and um, felt I was playing my way into to being an important part of the team. And then disaster struck against Coventry very early in the season, so. Uh, my memory of that was Nigel Carnell had left the club or, ab- abruptly the day before and we'd brought in a, a physio that nobody knew called Gordon Ellis who became an integral part of my life afterwards but uh, he ran on the field when I did my cruciate lovely hot August evening or September evening and uh, he ran on with a duffel coat, his his head hidden. And I was going, "What's up with you?" I didn't even know him, and he went, "I am on the sick from the prison." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so that was on, it. Was on. Tel- I think yeah. it was a West Ham game. And it was on telly. I think. I think it was. It was a nil-nil draw or something. I think I remember. Yeah, it was that. It? It. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, um, and he turned out to be the most important mm. non-player, if you like, or non-coach that, that I've, I've ever worked with. He, he he was brilliant for me because, as I said, I did my crew shit at that time, and Gordon nursed me through believing in myself after the second one that there was a career left for me in Sunderland and uh, we spent so much time together and and you remember the time together when you're in the dark periods and when you're in the periods of you know non-belief and he helped me really get myself going and become I suppose a more driven person that there was something left for me at this club and I came back a little bit early from from that um, because again relegation happened but I I wanted to do something about it Mm -hmm. like I I played in a derby four and a half months after having a cruciate operation you know it's madness it's bonkers when you look at it now but um as Bobby Saxon would say regularly, just stand up
0: there and head it. So <laughs> 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 I, f- I found actually, when I was looking at your injury, and I found something from the Irish Times and this has been retrieved from 1997 Mm -hmm. where obviously I don't think you thought the injury was bad at the first time so this is talking about you getting called up for the Ireland squad so this is September the 23rd 1996 Mm -hmm. um contrary to initial fears the knee injury sustained by Niall Quinn in Sunderland's win against Coventry does not appear to be quite so ominous the Republic of Ireland must be considered very doubtful for the forthcoming World Cup qualifier against Macedonia he has not ruled himself out of contention for that game um Quinn said I am back up to Sunderland in the morning to get a scan but I don't think it's as bad as the last time <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a very very optimistic person <laughs> yeah
1: I suppose it was It was devastating news because I felt I was on the cusp of something here with Sunderland and it came crashing down when the result of the scan came through and said it was gone uh, the man who had built my repaired my first one uh, Mr. Dandy he'd retired uh, down in Cambridge and he wasn't available so I was very worried and a man called Mr. Weber was uh, doing cruise shits um, down in North Yorkshire and I was told he was the man to go to and Gordon was responsible for that and we went down to Mr. Weber and I was shell-shocked thought my career was over Uh, I had you know I had sort of I'd nearly accepted it. I was all doom and gloom. I'd written to the p f a for my forms to see what did it mean when i quit what what what's there for me what do you know what do I have to do legally wise to uh to move on to the next career whatever I pick? I was in a really bad place, but Mr. Weber did a great job as well on, on me and uh I didn't get back as well as I thought. I might have said I played too early and I took risks with it, but it was never quite right and i and i, I had a, a little washout then Mr Weber left and moved back to to south Africa so I had a third surgeon opened me up he said look uh, he had a look at the scans everything. I said look I'm, I am i don't want to open you up unnecessarily but I think it mightn't be your cruciate that's causing you the problem would you mind if I had a little look in a keyhole surgery and I had nothing to lose because I'd, had a, I'd played against Oxford and missed a sitter here and the crowd all booed me and I thought that was it that was the moment when I felt the lowest here, and I thought you know what I I'm not right. This, this is you're you're wasting your your time. This, this is you, you
0: know. Is yeah, this what a would approached you and?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably right. So I was playing that bad, but um, yeah, no, I I got spat at getting into the car. Yeah, but after a game, yeah, so I that was a low was point. It was a Norwich. I
0: think it was Norwich. It was no- Street, sorry, it was Norwich, Norwich, not Oxford. Yeah, yeah, you're dead yeah. right. Yeah, I went I through it went one on yeah. one, and yeah. I couldn't lift my yeah. leg
1: properly to strike the ball, it, so I was fooling nobody. But Mr. Bollan and Peter Reid was great having asked for the forms from the PFA. Peter Reed said, "Stop looking for attention." Have another go. We'll go down and see this man. (laughs) You know that's the way it was in them (laughs) days. You know, and uh, and so I said, okay, I'll give it one more shot with Mister Bollin. And Mister Bollin, uh, (laughs) you can imagine reading. (laughs) Stop looking for (laughs) it. Yeah, no, that's uh, so. Mister Bollin uh, said, I wouldn't mind just having a little look in. I promise you won't undo your cruciate. I don't think it's your cruciate, but I'm just a hunch. And I came around and the same day, and he said. and keep me in for another night he said but I'll sneak you out of here I'll bring you for a curry later and amazingly the surgeon came in and said yeah I'm going to take him out for a couple of hours even though I wasn't being discharged till the next day and he brought me for a curry and he said I think there's a, a little bit of a growth on a the bone there that's causing you a lot of problem I'd love to open it up tomorrow and, and, and do it keep you in but if you want to go home you don't he said it mightn't be it but I think it is so I kind of well go ahead Mr Bollin you know and uh, I came out of the operation and straight away I knew it was different I knew there was something good here and then once i felt the train in the gym work and i say yeah this is good i'm going to be back i'm going to be fit and that's when i i became this driven lunatic who wanted everything to happen in his career so well because time was running out i was definitely on my last chance um and, and at that time kevin phillips was starting mm. to show the world that he uh he was capable of something very special so you know despite the the, the knocks and the bad look of injuries him walking in the gates of the Charlie Hurley Centre instead of David Connolly because we all thought mm. my colleague from Ireland David Connolly was coming and the first thing we heard about Kev Phillips was he was working in Tesco's or something a few years earlier you know and so you imagine in a dressing room you're all kind of saying well oh, what's all this about you know but ah uh, jeez boy did we did we uh, did we find out all about him it's, it's such an amazing sliding doors moment isn't it? because mm. without that operation there's no <laughs> Quinn and Phillips there's no Premier League there's no well there's no chairman of the football club that you don't the whole part of your life is eradicated probably that's a good way of putting it but I think Kev was a huge part of that you know the the, the decision to buy Kevin Phillips the decision by Graeme Taylor to allow him to leave you know uh, as an untried sort of uh, talent you know uh, I did it with Martin Waghorn in many respects you know but because we needed some money in at that time we got Leicester gave us a a huge chunk of money and, and and half of me didn't want to do it but you know his salary rocketed and I felt a bit better when I spoke to his parents about it Um but do you know uh, fate is fate is, is, is an amazing mm. thing and if you believe in fate and if you push yourself as hard as you can and you practice really hard and your mindset is strong fate almost catches up with you and, and, and wants to come along for the journey so I believed everything was possible in those few years but I also had great fun during those few years because the, the dressing room the Sunderland dressing room in that period was just unbelievable it was the most incredible place to go to work every day and be part of it was electric and it wasn't just a bunch of players doing well senior players uh, calling the shots and being bullies it was the exact opposite the young lads coming through were giving us more stick than we were meant mm. to be giving to them you had uh, the likes of Paul Thurwell you know I'll never forget how how cheeky he was um, you know there's was, there was a few few funny stories but the one I remember the most when Paul did break into the team you know uh, Paul played that day against Chelsea yeah. when we had yeah. a fabulous victory and uh, t- to my dying day I'll never forget being out that night having a few drinks and the players were in great form we turned Chelsea over spectacularly life was great and uh, as good as the night was we were up in, in see him and seeing and and Paul hadn't bought a drink you know so as the senior player I went hey Paul it's all very well now you're one of the lads now you got to buy your round and I'll never forget Paul going I can't it's impossible Quinny and I went, why is that you know and he went well my wallet is in here but Dennis Wise is still in that pocket beside it and I can't <laughs> quite get my wallet out <laughs> and I thought for a young kid in his first big moment to mm. be saying that in front of everybody and that just told you so if the young lads are like that mm. and they're all pressing to get in and, and take your place and if the senior lads are on their toes and 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 being pushed by these guys, you've you've a wonderful ingredient or a set of ingredients like you know Bridgie, Danny DiCio, good players, and and you know Kev Phillips and I didn't have this for granted. We couldn't mm. afford to go and have a couple. Well, of bad The most games.
0: memorable game that in the season we won the league was a 7-0 against Oxford, and you were neither you were Phillips
1: playing that. Yes, game. that's right, DiCio, and, and uh, it, was, yeah. it was amazing that day. Yeah, so 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 that that was the backup. And funny enough, if you look at England now, loads of young players just fearless going through. Uh, a journey that's just just brilliant. They're in the English football is in a, a great place now, and there's no room for the 31 year old, 32 year old hanging on anymore. So, uh, so, so you know, I wanted it desperately, and a lot of things happened for it to 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 fall that way. That that you know, things went. But the dressing room was vital. I met Don Hudson, really best dressing room he's ever in, best time of his life. All of us, whenever we meet up, met Alex Ray today. Oh, I'll never forget it, man. How good was it? So much better than every other club you're we ever at. So when people, I made the comment, oh. I learned my trade at Arsenal became footballer at City and and fell in love with Sunderland Uh, Sunderland got under my skin it did for a lot more than me it did for all of the people at that time and um, it was an indomitable spirit but life in the North East was brilliant then you know, on yeah. the football front, Newcastle had a good team. I'm allowed to say that in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut that out. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle had a decent team. They were qualifying for Champions League. We had a decent team.
0: Borough as well.
1: Yeah, Borough had a very good team under Robbo. And you know, like Kev was winning the Golden Boots. You know, the times were good. The, the Prime Minister was our local MP. You mm. know, um, the Newcastle Falcons were a, were a really good rugby team. There was lot. There was lots of of positives up here. Johnny Wilkinson people like that were around, and uh, it was a great place to be. So, so it wasn't just that Sunderland as a football team, made it a great place for me. It was buying into the culture up here and and being part of what was a really vibrant time.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. just going back to be before it started to take off and that season when we got relegated the last game of Roker Park and everything almost just people forgot about it because we were in relegation trouble how important was it at that time in your opinion the move to the stadium of light well a lot of people question was it the right thing to do because when you want to do something like
1: that you want full glitz and glamour going ahead and everybody in great form but the, you couldn't have wrote the script any worse really we'd get relegated and move into a new stadium so the new stadium at the time could hold 42,000 people uh, I think by the by the safety measures that were in in, in Park by that stage we were down to nearly twenty. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And so, what? How was how, you know we weren't always getting twenty in, in some of the matches, and how were we going to turn this around? Having just been relegated, but therein lies Sunderland. You know, a game against Ajax mm. and the ticket mess. All yeah. if you remember <laughs> that one, and nobody knew actually how many were there, but it was full. <laughs> but everyone enjoyed it. People were proud of it, and then suddenly we're playing Championship games and and there's a the type of crowds that should be in the Premier League yeah. and, and what's happening today what happened at Christmas time this season mm. you know that, that in, incredible Sunderland love for their team comes up and there was something tangible then to buy into as players you know and Philip saw it mm. first night against City he got two yeah and he, he,
0: and you got the first. I got the first. So the first I think Lee. I think he got one. Lee Clark got the other I think. Yes. Oh, he got yeah. one, did he? Oh, he, sorry, he, Phillips? he yeah, I think pardon. he tells a story. Oh, Clark, try th- and write Clarky out of everything. Uh, yeah. By the way, I <laughs> think <laughs> Phillips tells a story. He got two. You well, maybe the what he announcer didn't. on the night yeah, gave, he got gave one. Clark. Oh, the announcer Phillips and Phillips called the Clark. Something like that. I do remember
1: there was that, but I just felt there was it was a turning And fair play to Bob Murray and everything that went into to building that stadium and making it what it what it is and what it became questionable going from 42 to 49 might have just yeah might have, might have just been a uh, a bridge too far peter reed to this day will always say he had three players lined up mm. for that money you know that would have made all the difference um but you know it it's it, 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 it's been a pleasure to be on the playing journey on the administration side when i became chairman and and what have you um but anything we point to and the good days and the good times it's always because of the connection and the fans mm. have bought into it, and the fans are happy with it. And if if you're doing it for them, they have you. You're, you're lifted. You're 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 ten foot tall, walking around day to day, going collect the kids from school. Whatever it was I was doing in those days, you know the pats on the back were coming, left, right, and centre.
0: There's a game myself and Gareth always reference, and I yeah. apologise to our well, listeners. You wouldn't have played in it because you would yeah. have been injured. Well, our, our, yeah. our listeners will have heard us references so many times, but it's a very important turning point in Sunderland's fortune, particularly in that first season. We lose four nil at Reading. Uh, Peter Reid fans want him out at this point we drop I think to like mid-table but fans want him out uh, the crowd for the game after that was something like 24,000 they drop right down and Peter Reid um, takes out a lot of players and then starts he puts Mickey Gray left back mm-hmm. he puts in Craddock he puts in Williams he puts in Ray um, and he puts in Ad- uh, Alan Johnson mm-hmm. and he totally changed yeah. the dynamics of the team to suddenly this just attacking team because
1: yeah, yeah. we were so, we were pretty a defensive side yeah, even, even, we, we, we yeah. were happy. I can remember um when I wasn't playing and I was injured, and I was watching those games. You know, Paul Stewart uh, w- had this lone role when in the in the year that I got injured, and the next year I wasn't there, and it was just the ball was coming back into our half all the time. There was nothing cohesive about how we would make progress mm. up the pitch, retain possession, and get some create some chances. But then you're dead right. um He, he re-energized the team and took a punt at, at it. And you know, in a funny way, it's what Gareth Southgate okay, kind of yeah. Came 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 to believe was the was the right way going forward, and suddenly, the belief starts to come. You know, I think that's where uh, that's that's where you know you know you've got it going when when everybody feels I'm in a good thing here. This is this is something I'm going to work. And it, people still work hard when their head isn't right and they're negative, but it never really results in anything um, rudimentarily positive. But you know that, that what, hap- what started to happen there was the dressing room got real good Bobby Saxon, a lot of people don't understand Bobby Saxon's role under Peter Reed. He, he, he'd been in a documentary Premier Passion mm. swearing like hell and, and that was fine but th- undoubtedly the greatest coach I ever worked with and I, in them days you didn't have sports psychologists you didn't have Pilates teachers you, know, you didn't have your masseurs your, your coach had to be everything and Peter Reed would take some of that job but Bobby Saxon took a lot of it Bobby Saxon was the great greatest sports psychologist I've ever worked with and he doesn't even know he was one you know he'd come into that dressing room he'd lift you when you needed to be lifted he'd kick you up the backside you need to be captured but always at the right time and then he would be able to tactically get you to think about doing something better that you can do for the team as opposed to what you were serving up at that point and his um, his knowledge of the game yes a lot of people have that knowledge, but his ability to get the best out of his players and have the tactics to to present them to you know peter Reid was was the main man, and he headed up like all organizations the the main man heads up stuff, but the untold work that Bobby did, and every one of his players say the same thing. You ask Bali, you ask any of those players you mentioned there that that changed, even ones that he sold who who uh, who, who probably disagree that they should have been sold you know Sacco was just incredible mm. um, and, I, and I tell a story about Sacco. This is sports psychology at its old fashioned best but I had a fitness test at the stadium it didn't work out uh, I, I tried to, to get myself ready I was on my own in the stadium three or four hours before kickoff. didn't work came into the dressing room afterwards was getting changed Peter Reed came in and went hard Look, big man get yourself right for next week so I went, cheers Gaffer yeah sorry about that and with that anyway um, Bobby Saxon came in slammed the door and went oi Billy big time now so I looked and I went, sorry, Bob. And he went, oh, it's all Billy Bigton now, fitness tests, you're reading the papers, you. And I went, Bob, I think that's out of order. And I said, I've, I've been out there, I can't even kick it. And that's when Bobby went, Niall, when did we ever ask you to kick it? <laughs> <laughs> he said, just go up between the two tram lines and head it. And we were playing Middlesbrough the same day and I scored a header. <laughs> now, that to me is sports psychology at mm. its absolute best without actually going to college and getting... The, the, the finesse around, the, around mm. the, the qualification and that happened week in week out day in day out with every player at that time players who you know as, as household names or some of them people would know right? the, the Johnsons the every one of everyone to a man will say how uh,
0: how great Bobby Saxton was mm. and, and I don't think we should ever forget that so just a couple of uh, things people would want us to ask about uh, before we finish up mm. um, getting to the playoff final mm. um was there any ever doubt in your mind that we would kick on? You, you did this famous thing where you went and spoke in front of the cameras and said it was important, we kicked on. A lot mm. of players we've spoken to said that was important for them. So yeah. maybe you were playing sports psychologist there and you didn't realise Well, well
1: it. I knew the dressing was brilliant. I knew we had somehow managed to throw that game away. I knew we had we had brought 60,000 of the crowd down and that, that we were too big for this to happen to us. But we were in a good place, we were a good team. We just had that very bad start to the season, which which meant we couldn't quite catch... Burra. we always thought we'd get Borough but we didn't we didn't quite get there um, and to lose it the way we did you know uh, in total control of most of the game um, and then for Clive and donker from Sunderland to cause all the damage <laughs> uh, it, it was um, yeah it was it, all all that was was a message to, to the fans the, the 50 or 60 thousand to come down the the people at home everybody who'd been devastated and, and who were so built up to us getting back in it was it was to say we're, we're going the right way here and in actual fact Looking back, and I said this one time to Alenny uh, Lawrence, who, who, who you know, former chairman manager, since some ways that year made us stronger yeah. in the three or four years afterwards. When we did then hit the ground running and we romped away with the with the league the following year, um, Bobby again that day, you know, uh, was vital to us in making us believe. So, so, so being able to, I didn't have this gift to go out there and say oh, I think we're going to. It was listening to Bobby, listening to Pete Reid, and, and rather than disappointment. It was. It's just a matter of time, guys. We're we so much better and so much more equipped than any side next year. No matter who goes down or whatever, you know, whatever way the the the, the thing had worked, no there, who was relegated and who were playing us, we're going to win it. We're going to turn up and win it. Go and have a great summer, lads. But we all turn up, Charlie, Hurley centre, and we turn up to win the league next year. Mm. We had it won by March, and mm-hmm. we had we had crippling injuries at the start of the mm. season as well. We had John mm. Mullen came back. Well, we in. we had
0: catch up, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. Mean, just to... Just to do, yeah, know, sorry. I know, sorry. No, no. So I, know, I, know a time I know it's very time. Easy. Yeah, 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 very but we, easy, we, yeah. We need to mention, mention this. We would would not be forgiven if we didn't mention consecutive 2-1 wins at St. James's Park. <laughs> you mentioned how good Newcastle were at the start. So especially when Peter Reid walked in, they were in a different stratosphere to Sunderland, yeah. on and off the field, um, especially the first one at St. James's Park in the rain, yeah, it felt like it night. felt like for a Sunderland fan and I was there and I was eighteen it just felt we've mm. caught them yeah. finally.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was an incredible night and of course um everyone knows the story that uh Ruth Hullett was mm. in throne shapes trying to trying to be uh the king and he felt there was a couple of jesters in there that um were were Upstaging him, and so you know, to to drop Duncan Ferguson and Alan Shearer was uh, was was an incredible bonus. When did you hear get, about that? Oh, an hour an hour and a half before, and there was rumour of it, uh, but you know, when the team sheet went up, that was the the, the wow, and it's actually true. And then Peter Reid tried to play, and, "Oh, you lot, come on, get your minds off that." You know, we got our own job to do, but there is no doubt about it; it was a boost. Mm. And and you mentioned the rain, the tropical rain that was there. It was actually a really hot night with hot rain. It was just, I've never had a night like that uh, ever anywhere in the world and it, it may even have been called off at one stage that's yeah. how bad it was it the was, ball was, it was ridiculous it yeah. was ridiculous and you know to see Shearer and Ferguson tune tune gum in behind the manager <laughs> while he was in the dugout being really cool um Say, well, we've a chance here. You know, there's something wrong with at, at this mm. place, and and we could really get it going. And, and also, there was—I think they only gave us about 700 yeah, tickets did, or something—and yeah. we we felt a bit aggrieved by that. And and they were up with the pigeons, yeah, up at the very we were, top. We were, yeah. yeah. And so when 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 we started, when the goals started to come, and, and we did what we did because they'd gone one nil up. Mm. And when 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 the two goals came, and and I, I'll never forget r- reaching up, like you know, and looking up and pointing to, to our fan. We were all there in the corner, whether it was Kev scored or whether I scored. Um, you know it, it was it was just very very special and very special afterwards we all went back to to a, a pub in Roker Bob Murray and this board came in they would got so wet in their clothes that the kit man had given them kits so our chairman <laughs> came in dressed like a mascot you know um, our vice chairman John Fickling and even their wives were all dressed up and in Sunderland gear because all their clothes had got destroyed. Uh, I'm told the Newcastle lot didn't even give them a towel, uh, but that's what things were like then. There was a fierce competition, but it was wonderful. And then it kind of dawned on me the next day when I started looking at all the reruns and TV mm. that um, do you know it was something very special because then Hullett got sacked. Yeah, and now you say, geez, yeah, we actually did something something pretty good there mm. now. And, and again, that was money, not, not money, but that was. That was mental strength in the bank for us that we could call on for for weeks to come. You know that we were on a high from it. You scored the yeah. winner the next year.
0: Yeah, the next year <laughs>
1: I scored the winner. Yeah, that was not mention um, the penalty giveaway because Sorensen's. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, somebody had to make Tommy Sorensen a star at this <laughs> club, and I'd like to think I, I did. I did my my fair share of it. Um, yeah, that that was incredible, and you know the interplay. I can remember it well with Alex and and Hutch was in and around it, and the ball got played down the line, and and. I just knew where Mickey was putting it and Julio did a nice little dummy he did yeah which was important in Mm. the whole thing now I had headed the ball out at the other end or I was involved in in us defending and I surprised myself at 35 years of age wherever I was (laughs) by being able to actually get to the box (laughs) by the time the ball came in but it worked out it worked out lovely for me and um, obviously you know we held on Tommy made sure of that with a great penalty save just to add to the folklore the whole day and we ha- we celebrated, it was great Went into the dressing room And came out of the showers To be told I was selected for a drug test Only I'd just gone to the toilet <laughs> So they said, sorry We have to wait and sit here with you So all our lads got changed Went home on the bus I was left there They said to get a a, a black taxi when I was ready That there'd be one outside the ground And it took about three hours And eventually I I, I, I peed into the bottle Everything was good And uh, I walked out of the ground It was virtually empty at that stage looking to see where I would get a taxi and uh Sir Bobby Robson came out just behind me and I didn't notice and he went son, and I looked around, I'd never met him I'd never spoken to him, I was in awe of the man like most people in the country were and he went, what a fine header he said it hurt me, but that's one of the finest headers I've ever seen son, enjoy it and I shook hands with him and I went away thinking wow that's the, mm. that's the best bit of praise I've ever got for anything in my life and uh, I'll always be grateful to the lads that made it happen you know um Mickey in particular for 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 putting the ball in but um that was that was I came home and and you know all the lads were off on the beer at this stage they were long gone out in the night out and I ended up going to to, to Durham with, with my wife and and I sat there like a school child mm. that had I don't know had seen Elvis <laughs> Presley or somebody you know <laughs> Uh, or Santa Claus and, and I sat in, in the pub in the, in the Shakespeare in Durham with a smile on my face all night and it wasn't because I'd scored the winner against Newcastle it was because Bobby Robson mm. told me he was one of the finest headers he'd ever seen <laughs>